Some of you know that I was in Atlanta this past week for this new Baptist covenant meeting. Um, I wish every one of you could have been there because it was inspiring. Story after story of hope and unity and strength and God's presence and everything that we really are as Christians was a part of this meeting. You know how we get sidetracked sometimes. But we didn't get sidetracked this time. I'm going to bring one of the stories to you today that I heard. And hopefully over the next few weeks I'll bring some more. Because it would take three days to bring all of them. I don't think you'll be back tomorrow. This story was from David Satcher. Dr. David Satcher. He was the 16th Surgeon General of the United States. He is now a former Surgeon General. He taught, it it helps to know that Satcher has black skin. He told the story about when he was a student at Morehouse College in 1960. This was obviously the early days of the Civil Rights Movement, and he had come into contact with the King family in Atlanta and was following in the footsteps of Martin Luther and his family, which was a confrontational, a confrontational move towards prog- progress in our country, and yet nonviolent. So some of you will remember sit-ins, And that is how David Satcher, A.D. King, who was Martin's younger brother, and three other men got themselves arrested. They were in a restaurant, a whites-only restaurant, and just sit, or where they would only serve whites, and they were just sitting. And someone came in with a spray gun. Ironically, his name was Sprayberry. And started spraying them. Now, I don't have the background to know what kind of gun that was or anything. But he was spraying them. And the police came and arrested not only the five black men, but the one white man as well. Now, all the the Atlanta jail was full. And so all these six men were sent to prison. They had this pledge, some of them did, of uh, jail, no bail knowing that that would bring more attention to them in the jails if they didn't have a lawyer or somebody to come get them out. That's why the jail was full, and that's why they were sent to the prison. Well, word got around to President Kennedy, who called and then had these five black men released from prison. And that was that, almost. As they had come out of the prison, A.D. King said, let's see if they'll release Sprayberry. Satcher didn't like the idea. He didn't like the idea, and he didn't say this, but I can sort of imagine the cloud that was swirling around in his head about the anger and maybe the physical pain that he would have experienced in that restaurant 
And then now having been in prison and having been released, anger, revenge, justice. But he allowed himself to be convinced that they should at least ask. So they did. They asked that Sprayberry be released. And when this formerly angry, violent, prejudiced white man was released and brought then into the area where King and Satcher and the others were standing, Sprayberry did not scoff at them and say, Ha! He didn't walk right by them, ignoring them. He hugged every single one. What happened to Mr. Sprayberry? He had experienced the transforming power of Jesus Christ. Now, I don't say that he was converted that day. I have no idea about that, the the sense of that we understand conversion, whether he came to know Christ or whether he did before. But he experienced the power of God through one man who intimately knew and followed Jesus Christ, A.D. King. King had seen the glory of God revealed in Jesus Christ, just like the three disciples did in today's gospel. It happened in a cloud with parallels to that Exodus passage. And this cloud is the symbol of God's presence. When we enter the cloud of God's presence, we encounter God. We can't see God with our open eyes. We can't touch God with our fingertips. But during the foggiest times of our lives, God is present in a powerful way. In Exodus 24, God calls to Moses from the cloud and Moses steps inside. That's brave. Scholar John Durham calls the cloud a special symbol of divine guidance, divine communication, and divine presence. Translate those 1,300 years later to the Mount of Transfiguration, and we have all three again, divine guidance, divine communication, and divine presence. It says, while Jesus was still speaking, suddenly a bright cloud overshadowed them. And from the cloud, a voice said, this is my son, the beloved. With him, I am well pleased. Listen to him. Divine guidance, divine communication, and divine presence. What I'd like for us to remember today is these are not just ancient stories. For there are times that we are on a sunny mountaintop and everything is going our way, and there are times when we are in a cloud, fumbling for direction, feeling like a fool or a failure, and yet we can still find divine guidance, divine communication, and divine presence. It may not come in exactly the way we want it, 
exactly when we want it. In fact, it probably won't. But when we pray and when we pay attention, it comes. A.D. King was divinely inspired in that prison in 1960. You know, I think about how a fly would be struggling to get free from a web, a spider web, and wonder if that's how the African Americans would have felt back then, that that they were bound, they were stuck, and they were trying to break free just to survive and have a good life. And so even though he was struggling within that web of a world of hatred, he refused to submit to the violence and the vices of this world. And A.D. King took hold of the radical love and forgiveness of Jesus Christ. And it made a difference in who he was and what he did. He came out of the cloud with divine guidance, divine presence, divine communication. One person made a difference. And that changed the lives of the people who were immediately around him. It changed the life of David Satcher. It changed the life of Mr. Sprayberry. And it could change our lives. Almost 50 years later. The New Baptist Covenant focuses on what binds us together and not what divides us. There are so many things that could divide us. And yet, overarching, we have this radical love of Jesus Christ. And that binds us together. The people who were at this convocation represented 20 million Baptists. And that didn't include the Southern Baptists. Maybe one day it will. Maybe one day we can gather and it can be all the Baptists together focusing on what unites us. Focusing on the radical love of Jesus Christ. Because can you imagine that if all those people, 35 million people, if each one of us did one thing to show radical love and forgiveness to another person, how this nation would be changed. It starts right here within each of us. The convocation was a sign of reconciliation. It had been over 150 years since all those folks had gotten together. It was a sign of transformation, things that have changed over all these years. It was a sign of progress. It was a sign of hope. It was a sign of what Jesus Christ can do when we're willing to submit to him. Today we gather around this table. This is a table of reconciliation. Jesus pulled us off the ground, off the plain, and up to the mountain and reconciled us with God. And so we celebrate that as we make sort of a circle around this table 
and as we're getting ready to share the peace of Christ with each other, we are continuing the hope and the joy and the radical love that Jesus showed to us when he walked this earth. Now it's up to us. It's up to us.